Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everyone. This is a surprise in your feeds. This is a free 45-minute preview of the conversation that Michelle had with Amanda from Little Miss Recap. This is part of the Patreon series of shows that we do, which you can hear in full by subscribing at patreon.com forward slash blighty day and you'll be able to get the whole show and loads more from the whole blighty day crew Hello, Patreonies. A very warm welcome. Apologies for um, the sound. It's it's not the normal smooth, smooth studio sound because I'm using the Rode mic. Um, as I mentioned before, sorry, Robbleheads. Poor old Robin is not feeling well. Um, and so he is uh, taking up the the space that he needs in the uh space that makes him happiest which happens to have all our sound equipment in it so he's just <laughs> you know able to work when he can and rest when he can in there so thank you to everyone who has sent your well wishes alfie now has whatever this is um i don't have it knock on wood uh, so I'm guessing it's a weapons grade strain of man flu that <laughs> my child picked up at his all boys school. Oh yeah. The b- boys are gross. Boys got lots of germs. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. Well, joining me for the fundy bus is Amanda Lipnack Raydell. She's a longtime family member of ours, and she's bravely chosen to wade into the fundy madness with me. She's also a Sister Wives super fan herself. So, you know, unlike doing this, not not knocking doing this with 
with Robin, my husband, but the nice thing about doing this with somebody who knows things is that, you know, if one of us has a question, well, Amanda, you know stuff. I do. And in fact, the last episode, I think you even said, oh, I can't remember. Amanda will know. Yeah. (laughs) I did. I I don't remember what it was, but I did in (laughs) fact know. You you once deemed me the Sister Wives Historian, which is... Mm. A title that I never thought I'd be so happy to wear, but here we are. <laughs> well, you you certainly can have more than one title. I would say your your resident sister wives professor emeritus. Ooh, yeah, that sounds we'll fancy. Go, we'll get you a robe. <sighs> can I get one of those like hats that like the definitely puffy hats? Oh, yes. Oh, totally. Never got to go to grad school, but hey, we can get me the academic regalia that is appropriate for sister wives. Oh, God, do I have to wear like an FLDS dress underneath my robes? I didn't even know what those were until I can't remember what TV show it was. Big Love. That's the one. Yeah. How could I forget? See, Robin is actually a huge fan of that show. So he wasn't coming into this like not knowing anything at all Mm -hmm, about, mm -hmm. about that life, but he's very disappointed that um, there isn't, you know, some, I I told him just because we don't have evidence of racketeering doesn't mean it It isn't happening. Yeah. Really? I really wish, I think the Brown universe would benefit from a Harry Dean Stanton kind of guy as well as, um, oh God, what was, what was his son's name? The gay one began with an A. It was not Alfie. Adam? No. You know, I know who you mean. Yeah. Who was yeah. who was on the down low and all that. Like, I think we could benefit from that as well. That would help the Brown universe. Though, so, as I have said many a time, we have watched dance parties. We have watched graduations. <laughs> we have watched these idiots move 17 million times. It is finally paying off. The work that we have put in is finally paying off because this season is incredible. This season is incredible. And granted, I've only been watching this for the past, I think this is my third season watching it all the way through. I've done bits and pieces going into the past. And I think um, probably most recent, like I've, I've watched the catfishing saga. Sure. Um, I watched, I watched quite a bit of the first season actually. And one of the things that struck me was how similar Cody was to like the Michael Scott character from oh, yeah. The Office. A lovable doofus. Yeah, exactly. At so much so. And not even the the David Brent character in the in the British office, because I think those two are necessarily very distinct and uh, you know, unique to their respective environments. Sure. You know, like we don't, we, we all recognize a character type, but I think the reason why The Office has been so successful in spinoffs and syndications and remakes is because it's a universal experience, but those 
particular personality types present themselves in different ways in different cultures. Yeah. If you drop Michael Scott into the British version of The Office, he wouldn't be nearly as funny as he is in Scranton, Pennsylvania. No. And I think people would be extremely polite to him and he wouldn't know that they weren't being friendly. <laughs> that's that's the typical that's the typical American experience coming here is wow, everyone here is so friendly. And then you realize, oh God, they're just being polite. No right. one is friendly. Everyone wishes that you would fall down the escalator head first. <laughs> rather than be in a conversation with you. So anyway, with this in mind, I have a little game for you. Okay, um, I'm excited. And it won't, <laughs> it won't take very long. Did Cody Brown say it? Or did Michael Scott say it? Oh, this is good. This is good. Because I feel, I, I feel well-versed in both of these. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> It might, I haven't like practiced these ahead of time. Okay. And some have been paraphrased for the sake of brevity. Like I've okay. left out a filler sentence, but they, they are wholly those quotes. Okay. Uh, or words that that person spoke. Real men don't dream they are Batman. Men want to be Santa Claus to their children. That is Michael Scott. Wrong. That well, is Cody Brown. <laughs> shit. And the reason I said that is because because Cody just did the whole thing. Real men want multiple wives. Thing. He wants to be Santa. Batman. Well, oh, when did he say that, though? Because I wonder... Oh, is this is this in reaction? Uh, your face is giving me life. Is this is, is this in reaction to the catfishing? Because Sam's Twitter moniker was not Batman yet. Wow. Um, no, I think I think I got this one from the book. Okay, then it would be pre catfishing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's, uh, it would have been great if that had been post catfishing. It would. Yeah. No, he's it not would. that smart. He's not that witty. <laughs> okay. You got another one for me? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> I knew exactly what to do. But in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. That feels Michael Scott to me. That is correct. That feels Michael Scott to me, yeah. yeah. You're one for one. Okay. <laughs> At the end of all the episodes of, that uh, Amy and I do on Little Miss Recap for Sister Wise, she's been doing trivia. She forgot, I know. Yeah, she forgot a trivia question this week, so I won by default. So right now we are three to one. So, okay, I'm tied here. One to one. Let's see what happens. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Often I'd find myself holding a girl's hand. Then I'd look over her and think, why am I holding her hand? I don't really like her. That's Cody Brown. <laughs> yes, it is. Talking about holding Christine's hand. He. This is another one from the book, actually. Oh, okay. The reason... Well, I'll, I'll speak more on that later. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> 
And there's one more. Okay. I'm, I'm two for one. Okay. Let's see. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. That feels Michael Scott. It is Michael Scott. Yeah. He you- the, the challenge is, is that Michael Scott has such a particular way of speaking. And, and I think, I think a good, a fair bit of what Michael Scott said actually was stuff that Steve Carell improvised and he improvises in such a specific way. That's true. That, Did, like, I, yeah. I'm sorry. There, I had three more. Oh, I okay. didn't see that I had done a second page. Oh, okay. Oh. This is, All this right. Is fun. So there are three. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, you guys. It's been a long week. <laughs> If you are what you do, what are you when you don't? That would be Cody Brown talking about um, leaving monogamy or leaving polygamy. Very good. Excellent. Yes. I love that I can even give you the context of what he says. I know. This is terrifying. This man is taking up so much fucking rent-free space in my brain. It's embarrassing. I used to be a smart person. I used to be a well-read, worldly person. And I did I'm, too. I used to I be used, very smart. I don't know what I used, happened. I used to read books. And yeah, uh, yeah. now this is what I do. I used to be able to help my child with homework. Mm. Um, I knew a couple of historical facts. And now this is what's in my brain. Yeah, here we are. Um I think you'll, this one's a bit of a gimme because I I did not, I had faith in you, but I didn't know that you'd be this good. Okay. I hate so much about the things you choose to be. That's Michael Scott, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it is. And finally, I don't think blogs are safe to read. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's Michael Scott. That's Cody Brown. Is it? Okay. I And the reason I was thinking <laughs> that, I just didn't remember anything about blogs that Cody said, but I remember there was the whole thing when Creed wanted to create the blog and like Jim just set him up with a word doc. <laughs> he just... It, it, yeah, it was Ryan actually. Oh, Ryan just set him up with a word doc because it was too, he was too afraid of what would go out into the world if Creed did a blog. God, I love The Office. It sucked after uh, after Steve Carell left. It sure did. But sure. guess who watched it anyway? Oh, same. And, I, same. and I don't normally do that. That that might actually be... That and Parks and Rec might be the only two shows that I watched after they jumped the shark. Oh, I, I've never watched Parks and Rec, which I know I need to do. Um, the one that I did not give up on and god i wanted to was dexter yeah i gave up on that one yeah it was well the thing is i watched it after it was all done so i knew i knew he became a lumberjack and i was just like how do we get here like how do we get here oh we didn't get there well i watched the i watched the 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 reboot okay i did not watch the reboot okay yeah it was well, we can talk about that another time. Yeah, I just I, love I, Michael C. Hall. Oh, God, me too. Me too. David Fisher is one of my all-time favorite characters. 
you guys can't see this, but like the life came back into my body in a way that it hasn't in a considerable amount of time. This is why we're soul sisters right here. Really and truly, I, what I love about six feet under, and this is, this is a safe space. This is Patreonies. You, you guys are my people. You'll, you'll give me the space and the time to talk about this. What I love about six feet under is I watched it. Um, Lauren Ambrose, who played Claire, the youngest Mm -hmm. sister and I were the same age when the show came out. Okay. So I actually, she might be a year or two older than me, but it, it doesn't matter. She was playing my age. Right. So I watched it when it was out on HBO and I have rewatched it at different points in my life. Same. And it feels like watching it through the lens of whichever character I identify, I identify with the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oh, sorry. It holds up while you get yourself together. <laughs> I will just, I will just say it holds up so beautifully. And because I have rewatched it multiple times as well. And it is one of my top five favorite shows forever and ever. I think it is the show that nailed the finale like no other show ever has. And I know we always talk about the mashes and the new heart. Like there's other great finales. But I feel like nothing can hold a candle to how they ended Six Feet Under. No. And and my father, uh, may his memory be a blessing, may he rest, thinking of him so much all the time, always, said that it was, not that this is a deeply profound quote or anything, but I just remember we watched the finale together you know, for the mm-hmm. first time in real time. And he, we just looked at each other and he held my hand and we sobbed. Oh yeah. I sobbed and, and I don't cry at TV. Sobbed. sobbed. I Actually, it's funny because I will come back to this really quickly. The other day, <laughs> we're going to have like a whole six feet under podcast here. The other day I had posted a memory of mine, um, on Instagram of something, a quote from six feet under, which is one of my favorites. And it's at the very end, it's the last episode. It's a Nate quote because Nate was my guy. Claire, you want to know a secret? I spent my whole life being scared, scared of not being ready, of not being right, of not being who I should be. And where did it get me? And he tells her that right before she's like, I can't go to New York. And he's like, you're fucking going to New York, girl. Well, Ghost Nate is like you're fucking going to New York. Ghost Nate. Ghost yeah. Nate, who is really Claire. Yeah. But sure. Yeah. And that was it. Oh, my. Okay. okay. I, this is definitely, if any of you listening, I, I absolutely refuse to believe <laughs> that less than half of you are six feet under fans and would absolutely love to have a discussion about that. Robin and I got asked to go and no talking about this. All right, everyone, this is, you know, cone of silence, but Robin and I were asked to go uh, guest on another podcast and talk about the leftovers, which is another Mm. one of my favorite shows. Um, And I love the leftovers. I love Justin through, I love Justin through in sweatpants uh, I'm and he was aware of shows. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm aware that uh, his, you know, creative history is, is problematic. It doesn't change anything for me. For, for Robin, The Leftovers is the best show ever made. I, for me, Six Feet Under went in some strange directions, but I, it's my favorite, mm-hmm. probably. I, I'm, or it switches places regularly with um, a, a couple of other shows that I can't remember because I've gone to a place now. But yeah, yeah, no, I love Michael C. Hall. I have heard as a person, he is both a nightmare to work with and a serial cheater. Oh, um, good, good to know. Great. But you know what? I think I genius. Care. I think genius comes at a price. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. I never have to work with him, nor do I, nor will I ever have a romantic relationship with him. So I don't care. You could, it doesn't bother me. Um, so fun fact, a friend of mine uh, was a dead guy of the week on Six Feet Under. <gasps> That's so cool. He was dead guy of the week in the episode Grinding the Corn. It was the episode where the comic book dork was like climbing up the shelf to get a special comic book and the whole bookshelf fell on him. That was my friend, Michael. Um, Amy and I have been talking about doing like just kind of some just rewatches of our favorite shows and talking about them. And I got Mike, if we do that one, I got Michael to it, to agree to come on and talk to us about it. He's a trip and it would be hilarious. Oh boy. Wow. 20 minutes in and should we talk about some fundies? Yeah, we should. We should. Um, so I'm not going to lie to you. I had to, I sort of dissociated with, <laughs> with Plathville. I've been dissociating a lot with, with Plathville. And I don't, I don't use that term lightly. Um, it's really hard for me to see a healthy person, particularly a 24 year old healthy imperfect highly flawed person whose brain is not developed yet yeah fully uh it's really hard to see some of these relationship dynamics and this is a full hit job on olivia and i hate it i hate it too i know you and i talked about this beforehand we are both hardcore olivia stands you cannot mm-hmm. tell you cannot talk me out of it i feel as convicted about this as i don't know something else but I, I don't know what that thing is but i feel very strongly she has been so maligned by this family and treated so poorly and the way i see her is she is a young woman who is trying her damnedest to heal from a full life of religious trauma trying to heal from a whole life of misogyny and patriarchy who married into fucking Kim Plath's family. Mm -hmm. God bless her. We'll talk about Kim who's married to, I think Ethan is a kind person probably, but Ethan is so broken and so emotionally unavailable. (sighs) He can't, he cannot give her the relationship he wants. I believe in their love and I don't think they will make it. And I don't think they will make it for no other reason than neither of them have the skills to make it together. I agree. I I don't think that they have 
complementary strengths. Mm-mm. Like I, I don't think Ethan is the hopeless dope that we were sold Mm-mm. in the beginning. I think that he does understand the value of discretion mm-hmm. and sometimes discretion being the better part of val of valor. And I think he is able to compartmentalize things, which in some situations can be really healthy and really useful. Yep. For example, I mean, not to, not to, I feel like dig up is not an appropriate word to use for this scenario, but I think you know where I'm going with this. But if we return to visiting the the dead brothers, Joshua's grave, grave, yeah. Yeah. I think Olivia made a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. uh, around that. And I don't think that she responded to that appropriately. And I... I was disappointed that it happened the way it did because Mm -hmm. I don't think that I think I, my, my loyalties were split there because I completely understood why she didn't feel that she could be there. Agreed. And something that I personally am learning about and trying to figure out how to do as I deprogram from my own religious trauma is that sometimes when I'm setting boundaries and if, if you, if any of you are in, (laughs) if any of you are in therapy, please, who am I, who do I think I'm talking amongst us? (laughs) This is not in therapy. If someone's not in therapy. Yeah. I, I think the difficult thing about boundaries, particularly as regards trauma, is when other people have needs, you don't really know where to draw the lines and mm-hmm. where to put them. And putting and letting go of a boundary or compromising on a boundary feels like it's too much and feels like it's it's too big of a, of a violation almost. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's probably how she felt was if I give an inch, they're going to take a mile or he's going to take a mile. Yeah. I'm yeah. I, I think she would have been much better served to say to Ethan, I love you. I want to support you. I cannot be there with you today. Go be with your family, do what you need to do. And I will be home waiting for you or in our hotel or Airbnb because mm-hmm. they, they lived in Tampa at the time. And this was in Cairo. I will be there to support you. But I, I think, I think she went there hoping she could get out of the car. I think she went there going, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. And when push come, came to shove, she couldn't. And people are like, she's manipulative, blah, blah, blah. Well, she was 23 fucking years old at the time and dealing with the Plath family who is, you know, whacked out of their mind for a multitude of reasons. And this family has never dealt with the trauma of Joshua's death ever. Yes. And, and that, that kind of leads us into our next, um, the next kind of corner of the Plathiverse that I, I wanted to explore. Okay. 
Um, and I've talked this, I've talked through this with, with other viewers. It's a sensitive topic and I just want to, again, it's Patreon, uh, but that doesn't mean that you have to listen to everything and you might want to skip ahead of this conversation because we're going to talk about the, the loss of a child. So please just use, use your best judgment and put your care before anything else, including whatever this is, entertainment, (laughs) speculation. So I, I have been trying really hard to have compassion for Kim Plath because Mm -hmm. I find it very difficult to have compassion for her. I do as well. Um, And I'm not saying that I have to have compassion for, for everybody or anybody for that matter, but there are things that have happened to her, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I, cannot if anything like that happened to my child I don't know how I would ever get out of bed in the morning again ever agreed Agreed. Um, it is the worst worst. right and that doesn't mean that people shouldn't go on to live their lives like I lost a friend when I guess we were 22 and I stayed friends with with her mother for many years after that. Unfortunately, her her mother passed away last year. Um, but particularly in the in the first sort of five years after my friend's death, her her mother and I were like in regular contact, and we mm-hmm. saw each other a lot. And she managed to get on with life, and she managed to find a way through it. And one of the things that she told me that I never forgot, uh, because my, my friend had, has an older sister Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and, and so her mom said to me, I don't know how the three of us are going to navigate the peaks and valleys of our private griefs. Mm. It was in a letter she wrote. She didn't yeah. like go around. Say, I mean, that's flowery for sort of day-to-day conversation. But right. But it's a beautiful it, sentiment. How do we, right? the peaks and valleys of it. And I, I've lost friends too. And it, grief is this, grief is this thing that never goes away. You just learn how to deal around it and just live around it. I think, I don't remember who said it recently. It was on one of our podcasts or one of the shows that we watch that basically someone said, you know, you plant flowers around your grief. The grief doesn't go away. You just make a garden around it. And if folks aren't familiar, we won't go deep into the story, but Kim very accidentally ran over her child and he died and he was a toddler. And it's the worst thing that there's a reason we don't have a name for parents who lose children. You lose your parents, you're an orphan. You lose a spouse, you're a widow or widower. There's a reason right. we don't have a name for it because it is the it is the most awful. We can't even name it. It is so bad. And she did this. And the way she talks about it is she basically took to her bed for a year. No shade in that. She took to her bed for a year, disappeared, except she had a bunch of other children. <laughs> and 
Yeah. And they never got cared for in it. And they talk about how they never talked about it. And this whole family needed a ton of grief counseling and a ton of support. And they lived in a world where you just took it to God and God would fix it and all would be well. And I mean, I'm not a woman of faith. I envy people who are people of faith who have that. There are times in my life I would wish that I could give something to God and trust that it would be cared for in whatever way. I just don't believe that. But that was the only tool they had. And it wasn't enough. No. uh, CF the prayer closet. Right. Yeah. And everything else. I mean, it, it's so clear. And I'm not one of these people that thinks like, oh, there's no, you know, religion is just a, a crutch and it's the opiate of the masses and blah, blah, blah. I, I think that there are healthy ways that faith can carry people through or that people, and, and, you know, it's been scientifically proven. It's been, it's been studied that, you know, the, the act of prayer is very powerful. And when Mm -hmm. people know that other people are praying for them, it has a positive impact on their health. In many cases, there has been, look it up. There's been a lot of research, actual academic research into this. Um, and it doesn't matter because it's it's personal to everyone. Yeah. The, the problem is when when faith is I think when God is your punisher and your judge and your savior and your best friend, right, and your father and the giver of your life but also the taker I don't understand how people can resolve all of those things. And that might be why I'm not a person of faith because I cannot resolve all of those things in my own brain. I I think it's great people who can. I don't understand that necessarily and I don't need to. But if you look at every, well, okay, let's take the proverbial children of the corn out of here. The three little ones, Mercy, Cassia, Cinnamon, Butterscotch, whatever the, the little ones' names are. They lived a life entirely without Joshua. But they also lived a life entirely under the shadow of a death of a child. But they're still young enough. Like, I can look at how each of these kids are behaving. And by that, I mean Hosanna, who just took the hell off. She's out. She is living her fundy life. I think they're in Ohio. She's married, making babies, whatever. We never see her. But we've got Ethan, who has no ability to emotionally manage his life. Then we have Micah who hightailed his his model ass to LA and I think he's becoming a bigger and bigger dick by the day. Um and I liked Mike at first and I I do not care for him anymore. I hate Micah. <laughs> I know you do. I just I hate him and I hate him. I'm sorry, please go yeah. ahead. And then you have Mariah and I I have a I'm very angry at Mariah right now, but I completely understand why she's making the choices she's making. And what I think it is, is she and her mother are very much alike. Mm-hmm. And all this girl has ever wanted is for her mother to love her and accept her. That's, that is the only thing she's wanted. And I think she thought for a long time, if she was just good enough and special enough, she could help her mother, excuse me, heal her grief over the loss of Joshua. 
and she could do all of this for him or for her. And she couldn't because that a, no one could do that for you. And B, that's certainly not a child's job to do. Um, and I think that is why she has totally abandoned Olivia and has gone back to her mother because she sees an in with her mother and she just, all of us just want to be loved and accepted by our parents. Like it's the most innate thing that we want and she's finally getting it. And I think she's thinking if she goes back to Jesus, that'll help her. Um, you know, she is walking around with her crisis hair. That's getting worse by the day. Oh God. Her crisis, her crisis hair and her crisis fashion that has gotten so much worse. Mm -hmm. Like I, again, this is a, I'm getting into a weird area here, but there's a conspiracy theory. I think I've brought this up before. There's a, and if I didn't, apologies. There's a conspiracy theory about something called Project Pegasus, which is supposedly a government project that was organized by DARPA. I forgot what DARPA stands for. But they're the, they're the bad bad guys not the bad guys, well yeah they're I like mean, the, the dark ops of i think anyway so project pegasus was supposedly a program where children were chosen to travel back in time and video or film uh important historical events now there are a couple of holes in this story as you might imagine but the one of the alleged participants swears up and down that it happened that he went to these places and one of the things that started happening to him was that he would travel back in time and he would and he would pass himself like on the oh. stairwell okay so he would get confused that way i think for whatever reason mariah is time traveling back to like my homecoming shopping <laughs> in 2001 yeah. and going to like Charlotte Russe or oh, yeah. forever 21 or any, any one of those. And she is like, I have got to have that. Right. And it's not doing her any favors. And I, it was interesting to see in this episode the photos back at Olivia and Ethan's wedding and to see Mariah, um, particularly because it was just what I had suspected all along. She has gotten so, so, so thin that I worry for her health. Thank you for saying that. I that and I'm glad we can talk about it. It's it's not something as a rule. That's not something that I don't tend to comment on people's bodies either. It, it's a super sensitive area for me, but to see how she has changed over time and to see the ways in which her mental health has also shifted over time. Now I'm not saying at Ethan and Olivia's wedding, she was, you know, happy and all that. I have no idea how she was. We never met her then. We met her after that, but right. I just, there's so much about her that makes me worry for her and she feels so unmoored and, um, Apparently that is my new word of the week, unmoored. I've discussed, I've just, no, but it's, <laughs> I've described many people that way this week. And she feels really unmoored to me. 
and it's a very apt description and yeah. and what better way to i mean yeah i if i wasn't so mad at her i would find a, a deeper more caring well from which to draw that mm-hmm. i could you know care about this but i i mean i remember uh and again trigger warning if you've had food issues or eating disorders just skip ahead a bit but i remember when i was i had a very 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 bad breakup when i was 19 mm-hmm. and um this guy was a lot older than me and he had cheated on me and but he was my whole world and like most 29 year olds or 30 year olds who are dating 19 year olds he knew that i would not care about the fact that he was a complete fucking loser with uh you know with zero prospects and no right to be with somebody as with as much potential as me right um and it was only months later that my that my parents said to me we were so worried about you after cuz he and i were living together they said we were so we were like about to talk to you about going into hospitalization like you were so thin wow yeah and i didn't even it 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 hadn't even occurred to me but i was probably if you can even imagine this i was 40 pounds lighter than i am now and my oh, same height wow i was skeletal and yeah. i looked old yeah and and that's the horrible thing about the horrible thing about losing weight when you're that young Mm-hmm. And you're that tiny. To, and she's much smaller than I am. She's, she's got tiny. bird bones. She's a, little, yeah, she's, she's a little wisp of thing. Exactly. Do you remember like when we, I, I guess it was the beginning of the previous season where we kind of first saw her. It was it was in her era of Olivia bringing her coffee in the morning and mm-hmm. she was not getting out of bed. And then we see her emerge and she's wearing like the leather outfit and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. This was right after her breakup with Max. And I think some of her like wanting to go back to Jesus is I think she thinks God's somehow punishing her for banging Max or whatever, whatever it was that they did. I'm sure they did more than she thinks Jesus would approve of. And I, I'm incredibly angry with her because so much of the things that she knows about the world now are because of Olivia and because of the time and energy Olivia put into her. Yeah. And to turn her back on her in in such an ugly way. In such an ugly way and such a way that feels like I know because I'm seasoned Mm-hmm. that this isn't the end of that relationship or no. that friendship. I know that they will find a way back to each other uh, because Mo Raya will grow the fuck up. And once she realizes mm-hmm. that 
hey, this, um, you know, outfit, entire, like, unitard made of scratchy wool still (laughs) doesn't fit me. Right, yeah. Right? This still isn't how I want to live my life. I think because Moriah and all of the girls in her family have grown up in a society that de or not society, I should say, because they've grown up in a belief system that devalues their experience and their Mm -hmm. emotions so much and encourages them so much to, to devalue themselves so that they can elevate men and men's experiences. I think she can't be angry at max and she's blaming it on olivia yeah it's a safer thing to do mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of similar to you know I, I don't know if you've had this experience i've had it and i've seen it happen where you get the most angry or that you take out the most on the person who is the safest for you yep And you do that because, you know, at the end of the day, it'll be okay. And that could very well be what Mariah is doing. She is being a shit to Olivia because she knows Olivia is her person. They were best, best, best friends and deeply tied to each other. And Olivia nursed her through that horrible breakup with Max, who he's a piece of shit. He can, he can go pound sand. Um, And I'm just... I'm sad for all of them. I never particularly cared about her, cared for her music, I should say, but I'm sad she lost some of those recordings and all of that. And I don't think any of that's true. I don't know what happened there, but she's, she's telling some sort of stop sob story to garner sympathy. And I don't know. I am hashtag believe Olivia. If, if I hear two stories coming out of any people in this family and Olivia tells one that's the story I'm believing unless I saw something different. I think the key, I I agree completely. I, I think the key difference between Olivia and Mo Raya and Micah is that Mo Raya and Micah are too stupid to be able to, carry on a lie for very long yeah and and that's why i don't believe the story about that's why i just don't believe mariah's side of the story i think if you asked her the right questions then it would absolutely show up that she just has you know that this never happened or it didn't happen in the way that she said that she said it did and honestly i think that's a part of her wanting to return to what's familiar and it's, and how many times, how many times have you left a situation or a relationship or a job or whatever and gone, and then you're into a very challenging situation. It doesn't work out. And you think, Oh, it was so much easier when Mm -hmm. I was over there. It was so much better. I'll go back over there and I'll get better. And then I can go out into the world again and sometimes that does happen that happened i i spent a year in america between 2014 and 2015 and i i got my shit back together and i healed and it was really good it was really positive for me but 
I could have stayed. And if I stayed, I would have probably repeated the cycle. Sure. I had to push myself back out. And I think that that is, I mean, the only satisfying thing about the way that things are going in, in the sort of the core Plath clan is that none of this is going to fucking work. No. None of this is going to last. No. Because it's going to chafe. You know, like I said, Moriah's not going to be able to reconcile. First of all, she has no idea who she is or what she wants to begin with. Mm -mm. No. And secondly, the, the vague ideas that she does have and the desires and everything we've seen up until this point are pointing in the exact op- opposite direction to the one that she's running to, mm-hmm. right? She, she doesn't want to marry someone like her brother and yeah. pop out kids and live in Ohio. No offense, Ohio, but that's not the <laughs> life she wants. No, she wants bigger than that. And she's going to back. It's something I talk about in a lot of the coaching I've done is that people tend to go back to what is comfortable and comfortable doesn't mean it feels good. Comfortable means it feels familiar. Mm-hmm. So she's feeling again, unmoored. So she's going to back to what feels familiar and she's 19 or 20 freaking years old. Like they're all babies. They're all babies. And I can do without, watching Barry lift weights ever again. And that's your lot for free. If you want to listen to the whole show, go over to patreon.com forward slash Blighty Day. Join the Blighty Day Bays on Facebook by searching Blighty Day Bays. Catch us on Instagram at Blighty Day Fiance. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.